pray together. God, we thank you so much that at Christmas time we come to celebrate that so long ago that your son was born in a manger. And on that special night, the angels cried, Gloria, our coming king. And tonight, Lord, we, we want to just simply remember and echo that same phrase, Gloria. Glory in the highest. Our Savior is born. We invite your spirit as we spend just a little time in your word. Lord, would you meet each of us exactly where we need to be met? Perhaps you're carrying a burden. Perhaps everything's great. Either way, Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, wants to interact with his kids. So my prayer for each one of us is that we would open up our hearts and our minds to receive anything that he has to say. If you desire that, just simply say to the Lord, Lord, I'm interested. Would you speak? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Awesome, well, you can have a seat. Merry Christmas. Good to see all of you. So I wanted to start things a little different tonight. Um, normally I just kind of jump right in. But I wanted to kind of keep the, the lights a little low. Because I want to kind of have story time with Pastor Daniel. And so uh, if you want, just curl up next to somebody that you love. If the person next to you is somebody you don't know, don't do that. Um, they might be a little concerned. Um, But what I want to do tonight is I want to fast forward a little bit from the manger um, to a time when Jesus was around 30, somewhere between 30 and 33 years old. And he was ministering to people. He was sharing about the kingdom of God and all that, that was coming. And he's, he's speaking to this crowd of people and what's interesting about this crowd of people is it wasn't the people that, you know, the religious leaders of the day thought that he should be talking to or that, that he should be attracting. Matter of fact, the Bible says that these were the tax collectors. These were the people that, that really um, had no business around religious things. And Jesus has attracted this group of people and the religious leaders of the day are also there, these priests and these scribes, and, and they're there. And I think what Jesus saw was he saw these people and he said, man, I have to say something that's, that really captures what God is all about. And he really was speaking directly to the religious leaders of the day. Because the interesting thing was, is that the people that weren't religious leaders, the tax collectors, the, 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 the dregs of society, they, they were already interested in what Jesus was saying. But there was something about what he was saying that was really bothering the people that seemed to have it all figured out. And I want to read out of Luke chapter 15. Now, if you know this passage of scripture, you know that, that basically there's three stories that are connected together. One is the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and then there's this story of the lost son. And what I want to do is just share with you this story where Jesus talks about this lost son. Perhaps you've heard this story before, but, but all I really want you to do tonight is I just want you to listen. I think sometimes in our life we're overstimulated. You know what I mean? We've got too many things going on all the time. So what I want to do is, I'm not going to have it on the screens or anything. What I want you to do is just listen. And just allow the Lord to create whatever imagery in your head as you think about it. 
as I read the words, whatever comes to your mind. And just kind of be in this moment, okay? I'm going to read to you. And and so we'll start here in verse 11 of chapter 15. I'm reading out of the message version, but listen to these words. Then Jesus said this. There once was a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined, he wasted everything that he had. After he'd gone through all his money, there was a bad famine. And everybody in that area could feel it. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to a field and in that field he shoveled slop for pigs Jesus says that he was so hungry he would have even eaten corn on the cob in this pig slop but no one would even give him any so he's in a really difficult place. Bible saying that he's in the midst of a famine, starving to death. And then watch this in verse 17. That brought him to his senses. Isn't it interesting how sometimes we get in places in our life that bring us to our senses? So that brought him to his senses. And this young man said, All those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day. And here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. And then watch this. Make note of this phrase. He got right up and he went home to his father. He got right up and he went home to his father. Watch how the father reacts. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't even deserve to be called your son ever again. I love this phrase. But the father wasn't even listening. He was calling the servants, quick, bring and clean, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a prize winning heifer and roast it. We're going to have a feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost, but now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. Now, you would think at that moment that everybody was excited about the son being home. Well, Jesus goes on to say that there's another character in the story. And listen to what the older brother says. All this time, his older brother was out into the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. And as he approached the house, he heard the music and the dancing, calling over one of the house boys he asked what was going on he told him your brother has come home your father has ordered a feast barbecued beef because he has come home safe and sound the older brother stomped off he was angry and he was sulking and he refused to come in and listen to this The same father that ran to the son, the younger son, says his father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look, how many years I've stayed here serving you, this son said, never giving you one moment of grief. (laughs) I doubt that. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? 
than this son of yours who's thrown away all of your money on loose living shows up and you go out and you make a feast for him. And listen to what the father said. Son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. And everything that I have that's mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time. We had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what this story that you told is all about. We ask God as we open your word today that you would show us exactly what you want us to see. That we might better understand you, what you're all about, and ultimately what Christmas is really all about. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So I, I want to read something to you out of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Hear these words from the prophet. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. Now, if you know anything about the scriptures, you know that there's a long story going on. Like, you know, you've heard of books like Genesis and Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Perhaps you've heard some of these books. But if you go all the way back to Genesis, you may have heard some about somebody named Adam and Eve. And, and maybe you've even heard about how they kind of screwed up in the garden and caused this real problem for all of us, you know. And, and from the very beginning, there was this problem and there was this challenge. And, and the thing that, that's interesting is if you go through the scriptures from cover to cover, what you learn is that, that yes, there was this problem. But ever since that problem, God has been working to solve the problem. And what's interesting is you get to the middle of the book and you maybe read something like this from a prophet that says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. So it's kind of right in the middle of the story, there's this prophet that's speaking about something that's going to happen in the future. He's, he's, he's prophesying many years before Jesus even shows up on the scene that there's going to be a baby. There's going to be a son. And that in this little baby is the hope of the world. And that's what we have Isaiah saying to us and then you fast forward to the story that jesus is sharing he's been born into the world and he's sharing this story about this lost son and this elder brother and the father and 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 all this kind of stuff is happening and the thing that i want you to see is that god has been very serious very seriously working on getting his kids home for a very long time when we come to christmas when we come to this story Sometimes, isn't it true that we just hear it and we think it's just a story? Or sometimes we've like, oh yeah, I've heard this before. Like this might be the point where you start to check out. Like, okay, I got it. He was born. Are we done? But see, the thing is, is that, that I think sometimes what happens is that we get lost or it gets lost on us how, how absolutely, absolutely important this is for us to understand and get because I think sometimes we, we, these kinds of significant moments, especially if we've heard them before, can get lost. Now, if you're here for the first time, or maybe this is the first time you've heard some of this stuff, maybe that's the first time you heard that story about Jesus, you might be interested. You might be like, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing that the Father would do that. Why would he do that? And so you might be kind of leaning in at this point. But I also know that sometimes Christians come to Christian, come to Christmas time and they're kind of leaning back because they've heard it before. Isn't it true that sometimes when you've heard something before, you got like, okay, yeah, yeah, get to the point. My heart for us today is that we would not lose sight of how significant it is that God sent his son as a baby and the impact that has for each one of us if we would open our hearts and our minds to receive 
what Jesus has to say to us. Because here's the question I have. Okay, so, so the prophet says to us, a child is born to us, a son is given. It seems to beg the question, why? Like, what's the big deal? Why did, why did this have to happen? Why was the prophet prophesying this ahead of time? What, what was going on? And here's the, here's the short version of it. If you go all the way back to Genesis, you interact with these people called Adam and Eve, and they made some mistakes. And in the process of making those mistakes, they lost their home and they lost their father. They were kicked out, basically. They were evicted. You ever been evicted? They were evicted. And they didn't have a home and they didn't have a father. And there was no way they were getting back. And God decided the moment that that happened, that he was going to do something about it. And when we come to this story, we have to recognize that all of us, whether we know it or not, if we have never accepted Christ as our Savior and Lord, that we come to the story disconnected, fatherless, and homeless. Now, I know that that's significant. You may be here today and you're like, I'm not any of those things. Pastor, you've lost it. And I get that. I understand that sometimes we think we're fine. Matter of fact, I think that's the human condition. I think that's the human condition that all, all, often we think we're fine. We think we're doing great. You know, I've, I'm good. I'm good. I've got it. But if you go a few layers, I'm a pastor. If you go a few layers down, what I've figured out is that, that you just don't. Look, I mean, seriously, I, I could go a few layers. Like, hey, just come over to my house. We'll sit in my office and I'll ask a few questions and we'll see what we'll get to. Because I believe all of us have a need. And you may be a follower of Christ today. Maybe you've been in the church for a long time. But I guarantee you there's something in there that God is interested in dealing with. Because he wants to, he wants to absolutely bring you into his presence. So every aspect of who he is can be downloaded into your world. So that you can begin to not only experience it, but then you can give it away. See, this is, this is what Christmas is about. Because see, here's the thing. When we read a passage of scripture about this, this child, the son coming, or, 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 or hear this story about, that Jesus tells about this younger brother and all this stuff, what starts to become very clear is that something got lost. Something has gotten lost. And now you may be here and you say, I, I, hey, I, I said the prayer. You know, I, I was at camp. I said the prayer. I'm good right? I, I'm found. I, I, I don't need this. I, I've heard the story. But, and then some of you in the room is like, I've never heard that story. I, I don't, I've never even been to camp. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and then here's the other, I mean, this is kind of the scarier one for me. And I think I find a lot of believers in this place is that they're found, but they're also lost. And I don't know about you, but that's a scary place to be, to actually think you're found, which you might be, and yet be living lost. That you're doing all the right things. Come on. And you're still lost. And this is why Jesus shares this story with us. Because what he's trying to get us to see is there's a reality to our lives that if we're not always dependent on him, if we're not dependent on him for everything that we need, if we're not blown away at Christmas time for what he's done and our dependence and our and our and the fact that if we're not careful we can get disconnected too we can actually start to think we can do it on our own and some of us are trying to do it right now on our own you're carrying that burden right now by yourself and you're thinking you're doing all right but the reality is is that we all need God now I don't know what home was like for you Perhaps home was great. Like when you think about home, you're like, I loved home. Home was great. I love the smells. I love the people. I love it. I just want to always be there. But then some of you, you grew up in a home that you were like, the moment I could get out, I got out. And matter of fact, I don't have any interest in going back. And so we all have different experiences of home. But the thing that God wants to do is redeem whatever that is. Whether it's good or bad, God wants to show us a better way. Because even if you had a great father, even if you had a great earthly father, he was broken. He wasn't perfect, was he? No. And you know that your parents aren't perfect. Come on, teenagers. You can say it. It's okay. But you're not perfect either. We're all in need of a Savior. And so home could be this or it could be that. But I do believe that in all of us, there's a longing for something deeper. 
There's a longing for home. And so one of the things I've been thinking about as we prayed for Christmas is we thought about inviting people to come home at Christmas time is that there is a reality that I think is a part of our culture right now. And it's something that we all experience from time to time. Some of us are currently living in it. And, and we don't even realize that it's as bad as we think it is. You know what I mean? And, and here's what I want to say is that many of us are disconnected from God we're disconnected from his church and we're disconnected from the people of God in some way. And here's what I want to say to you today is that if that's the case, you lack oxygen for your life. Like it's important you see this. Like oxygen is important, yes? If you don't have oxygen, you die. And, and, and I shared a story a couple of weeks ago about how I was, um, I was in the weight room uh, as a as a teenager, I was I was on the football team. I know, for some of you, it's hard to believe, but I really was. And yes, I was the kicker. It's true. Thank you. And and I was in the weight room with all these guys, and I pulled off a forty five pound plate, and I had this plate kind of like I was holding it. And one of my teammates came up behind me, and he put me in a sleeper hold. And the moment he put me in the sleeper hold, like. I'm, I'm serious like the oxygen he got the right vein or whatever but I literally just went I mean I fell to the ground dropped the weight I mean I just passed out because I had lost oxygen to my brain now the moment he let go of me my brain got the oxygen back and I kind of came to you know and everybody's like oh are you okay and then they were just like as just a kicker it's fine I was treated poorly come on guys But we all know that if we don't have oxygen, we die. And the thing that I found is many of us are living without the things we need as, as believers in Jesus Christ. We're living without the oxygen we need. We're living without the spiritual oxygen we need in our connection to God, his church, and other people. And we think we're doing fine. And then what happens? You have to climb some stairs of life. Something happens and you have to go up that hill. You have to go up that mountain. You have to go through that thing. And as you climb up those stairs, you start to do this. <sighs> you know what I'm talking about? Come on, I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Is that you start to climb those stairs and you recognize how out of shape you are and you start breathing really hard. And you're like, Pastor, why are you picking on me? I'm not. I'm not picking on you at all. I'm just trying to get us to see that the moment we go through hard things is the moment we need to have more oxygen. And we don't have the oxygen we need and the next thing we know, we're, we're barely making it up the stairs. I've had that happen to me. Matter of fact, I was climbing some stairs the other day. I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, right? But what happens is that we disconnect from God, his church and people, and we don't have what we need. And my heart for us today is that whatever the wake-up call is for us is that we would say, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. If I'm deficient in one area or the other, I'm going to allow that into my life so that I can have the oxygen I need so that I can thrive and enjoy my home in God and enjoy the people of God and enjoy all the blessings of God so that I can do the things he's called me to do. That's my heart for us. I hope that that's something you want for yourself. But it's interesting how we can actually love home, be home, enjoy the benefits of home in Christ and still choose to walk away. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, isn't that interesting yeah. that, that, that we can actually enjoy being with God? We can enjoy being with the church. We can enjoy being in those environments and still walk away. I've done that in my life. Like I knew where home was. I knew what home was. I knew I, I, here's the things I'm supposed to do, right? Here's what the, the preacher said. Do this, this, and this, and I'm going to be fine, right? I need God. I need people. I need the church. I'm going to be fine. But then what happens is that there's a, there's a point where I just say, you know, I'm good. Or I really like it over here. Or I really like that person. They smell real nice. And I'm willing to go towards it. 
even though it might take me away from the thing that I say matters most to me. See, as human beings, it's the, it's the human condition. We literally are born with rebellion in our hearts to rebel against the good that God wants to bring. Isn't that crazy to think about? That God comes and delivers good and we say, no, I'm good. I'll figure it out. I'll do it on my own. And I, I don't know about you, but, but for me, when I come to Christmas, I want to be reminded again of the fact that I can't do it without him. I can't get home without him. Have you ever tried to get rid of a behavior? Have you ever tried to get rid of a habit, a hang-up, or something on your own? Like some of you are trying to do it right now. You're trying to get rid of it. You've been trying for a long time and, and you've, you've been working really hard and you've been trying to work on your behavior and you even have like a rubber band and you smack yourself 12 times a day so that you won't do that thing. You know, the, you grab the cookie, you smack your hand. You grab the cookie, you smack your hand and you just keep wanting the cookie. Anybody have anything in their life? Come on. And we try this behavior modification and it doesn't seem to work. Maybe it's your attitude. You know what I mean? Maybe it's just something in your life that, that maybe it's not a cookie. Here, you're like, I'm, Pastor, I'm good. I don't have any problems. Okay. Someone cuts you off in traffic. What do you do? Love you. See, we all have things in us that if we don't deal with, will keep us from the home, keep us from the presence of God. And my heart for us today is that we would recognize our need and that we'd submit ourselves once again to the authority of God in our lives. And I want to read something to you from, from Romans chapter 5. This is, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. And he writes this. He says, Christ arrives right on time. Everybody say right on time right on time. Did you know God is always on time? He's always right on time. He's never late. He's never early. And some of you right now are like, I wish he'd show up. And I'm just want to say to you, he's right on time. He's right on time. You may not even think he is. You may be mad at him right now. I'm telling you, he's right on time. So it says Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. Listen to this. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. I love that he never waits for us to get ready. Have you ever heard, or maybe you've said this, I got to get cleaned up before I go. I got to get cleaned up before I go back to church. I've got to get some things figured out before I show up. Don't you love the fact that you serve a God potentially? If you're here today and you don't, then you could. A God that goes first. A God that comes to you in your mess, even before you knew you were in, even in need so the Bible says that he comes to us and we don't even have to get ready. He, he presented himself, listen to this, he presented himself for a sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. I love that. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. And then he tells us this, Paul says this, we can understand someone dying for a person who's worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire this kind of selfless sacrifice. But then watch this, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use to him whatsoever. So in other words, I had nothing to offer him. I had nothing to bring and yet, the Bible says that God still came towards me. The Bible says that God still came towards me. Because here's the reality, is that Jesus is born, and he's born to save sinners. Now, you may struggle with that. Even the fact that the preacher brought up the sinner thing, you're upset now. You're kind of, I, I knew it. I knew they were going to bring up the sinner stuff, and now I don't want to come back. I get it. But isn't it interesting that we focus on the sinner thing? And we lose sight of the Savior thing. Like we spend so much time being offended that someone would maybe say anything that perhaps, maybe, just maybe, you have a problem. And I, and I, I mean, seriously. And if you have somebody in your life that loves you and knows you, all you have to do is ask them. You know what I'm talking about. 
Ask somebody that knows you. Is there anything in my life that's messed up? Oh, yeah, I got a list. Ask your spouse. Oh, yeah, I got a couple more. If you're really daring, ask your kids. Parent, ask. And, and what you'll come to is that, yeah, we have issues. We all have issues. We all have problems. We all fall in this camp of sinner in need of a savior. And the glorious thing about Christmas, the glorious thing about Christmas Eve is that we get to come into this house and celebrate that something happened in history. Not something just happened in the metaphysical, but something happened in history that Mary birthed a baby and that baby was named Jesus. And in that baby was the savior of the world. That 30 years later, he'd be telling a story about lost sheep and lost coins and a lost son. Do you understand? This is real. This isn't some kind of idea that some uh, liberal theologian thought up in his uh, kitchen. (laughs) It happened in history. It was real. And God did it. And you know why he did it? For you. For me. And that if our eyes start to gloss over at this story of Christmas, we should be really careful that we start to think it's just a story. That we start to think that it really doesn't have much bearing on my life. I love that Paul, one of the greatest followers of Jesus, I guess you could come up with, says this to us. Listen, he says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. So if Paul says to you, this is trustworthy and it's, it's, it's worth your time and you need to accept it. He's earned it, right? He's got some street cred. He says this, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. See, Paul, Paul understood his need for God. And sometimes what happens in our life is we get God and then we decide we don't need him. We get Jesus. We grab hold of this story of God and and, and all that Jesus has done and then we start to do it on our own. We start to try and figure it out on our own. We start to believe that we can do it without his church, without other believers, and without Christ himself. And I don't know about you, but friends, that's not a good way to go. And my heart for us today is that we would grab hold of this truth that all of us are in need of a Savior. Even if you've experienced the saving grace of that Savior, you are still in need of that Savior every day of your life. See, Christ calls us to be connected, not disconnected. Christ calls us to have a father and a home, to live with that father, live in that home, and to be connected to the source of our life. He doesn't say, try it on your own. Oh, disconnect, it's fine. He doesn't say any of those things. He says, come home, be with me. See, see, Romans 3, 23 says this so clearly, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Perhaps you've heard that. Or Romans 6, 23, uh, uh, that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. And I believe that not only eternal life, but life now. That there's a home now that I can be a part of that will lead me into the very, the very power that God wants to give me today. I think sometimes we spend so much time thinking about the future or what heaven will be like that we have no time for it to come to pass in our own life. That God wants that to be so in your life. Like you don't have to wait till heaven to get free from sins. You don't have to wait uh, all your life to get, or till you're dead to somehow get free from some of these things. See, God wants to bring these things into our life. And see, sin is something that comes on all of us. All of us are in that situation. All of us need a savior. We've all rebelled. We've all run away. We've all resisted. And please don't miss this. Don't dismiss what I'm saying simply because you don't like someone saying you have issues. Please hear me. That from the very beginning of time, God had a plan for your life. And that all the issues you have, that whether you admit them or not, the Savior has a plan. 
He has a plan to do something about it. So perhaps you are like the, the, the younger brother that's walked away. Maybe you've been away for a long time and maybe this is like you haven't been in the church in a long time. I just, I'm so glad you're here. I really am. I, I hope you felt welcome. I hope you feel welcome. And then there's some of you that maybe you've come home and you haven't been gone that long, but you're now you're coming home and coming back to Jesus. Or maybe you've been in the church a long time and you've come home and I just want to say thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome home. But I want to dig in a little deeper because I've found that most of us, when we hear this story of Jesus and we hear this story that Jesus tells us about the younger brother and the older brother and the father, what happens is we zero in on the younger brother and we see that story because, you know, I mean, it's so sensational. Like this younger brother would do this and his dad would even give him the money. I wouldn't have given him the money. Would you? If he told me, hey, I wish you'd die. I'd be like, you go to your room. I wouldn't have had it. But he gives him the money and he goes and he does all that he does and he, he just squanders it all. And we can relate to that story. Isn't that interesting that we can relate to that? Some of us can actually, like, I remember being that. Now, there's a whole other group of people that when you tell that story, they're like, I don't relate to that at all. I think that guy's dumb. And usually it's the people that follow all the rules. Come on. Because you're, you're frustrated with the younger one because the younger one's doing all this stuff and you're like, that's just stupid. I'd never do that, right? But then Jesus tells this story about the older brother. And here's the thing I want us to see today. And this is where I want us to dig in real deep because I believe that this is one of the things that keeps some of us from actually entering in to home is that we, listen, is that we actually can be home and not home. That we can be home and be so deceived so lost even though we're in the house see friends this is the scariest part of the story i think is that somehow we do all the right things and and we are equally lost because it's real easy to point out the one that is doing all the wrong things isn't it you know what i'm talking about we love to do it i mean we just get on facebook and twitter and we just oh yeah sinners horrible ones you probably don't see you say other things more profound than that right? But it's easy to point out other people's stuff. But sometimes it's really hard to see our own stuff. And matter of fact, I think that's why Jesus had so much to say to the religious people at the time. He's speaking to the religious people and telling the story about lostness. Because he's trying to get them to see that, hey, guess what, guys? You're the elder brother. Like scribes and Pharisees, religious leaders, you're the elder brother in the story. You're the one that, that is doing all the right things and yet equally lost. Did you notice that? Did you notice that when the father came to the older brother, he came to the older brother and he said, hey, older brother, you need to come in. You need to come and see what God has done. You need to come in. And he says what? No, I'm not coming in. Why? Because he's absolutely disgusted. He's disgusted by the grace that the father has given this younger brother that has squandered everything. It's a scary place to be. That somehow in his mind, this is a bad thing. That this is a horrible thing that his father has done. How dare you kill that cow and give it to this son? How dare you throw this party? Do you know what I've done for you? Do you know all the things I've done? I've always been faithful and you've never even given me a goat. This is real, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I've felt that way about this, just the scandal of God's grace. That somehow that God's grace comes into our world and it doesn't say, hey, get cleaned up first. It doesn't say, hey, get it all figured out. While I was yet sinner, Christ died for me. In my mess, Christ died for me. And he's done the same thing for you. And for you today, it might be the first time you've heard that. And I am so glad you're hearing about a, a, a Savior that loves you that much. But for the believer in the room, I'm asking you to, to once again be moved by that. That you would be moved at a very deep level because of what Christ has done for you. 
that it would lead you to a posture of dependence and not a posture of religious thought that makes you the judge of all people. Pastor, this is good. Whoo, amen. Thank you, thank you, some of you. It scares me to think that when we come to Christmas, that we just kind of go through the motions. That we wouldn't be moved at a very deep level about what we're remembering and what we're celebrating. Because my, 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 my fear in myself sometimes is that I would get to a point in my life I'm just going through the motions. You know, it's just something we do. It's just something we do. And, and, and what happens is I lose the mystery of it. I, I lose the power of it because ultimately I've taken on this posture of like the older brother. I've always been here. I've always been a good son. I've always done what you've told me to do. But be absolutely angry if God shows someone grace or mercy. And you know why that happens? Because we, we become distant from our own need. We become distant from our own need. And here's the thing I want you to see, and this is where Jesus really flips the script, but you don't see it in the story unless you know a little stuff, a little bit of knowledge. And I want to bring it to you. Here it is. You got to stay with me. Don't lose this. The elder brother was always designed by God in Israel. In Israel, The elder brother was always given a position that if anything bad happened to the family, if anything bad happened to a son or a daughter, if somebody was put in slavery, if someone was put in debt, if something happened to the family, it was always the responsibility of the elder brother to do something about it. This is important. Because if you understand the scriptures, you understand that this idea of, say it with me, kinsman redeemer, kinsman redeemer, say it with me, kinsman redeemer, that there was a redeemer that was supposed to do something about it. This is why this is important. Because in this story, and it's something we miss, is that Jesus actually is the elder brother. But he's the elder brother, listen, he's the elder brother that's lived it out. He's been at home with the father. He's done everything that the father has done. But do you notice that the elder brother did not go after the son? He was supposed to go after his brother, but he never did. And this is important because see, in this story, Jesus is that elder brother. Jesus came from heaven and went for us. He came and did exactly what God had called him to do. Because in this story, the father is the father. In this story, the father is the one that is orchestrating it all. He's the one that's sending his son into the world that we celebrate at Christmas time. And here's the thing. Jesus is the one that comes to us. In the midst of our mess, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of all of our bad choices, Jesus shows up and says, you're mine. Friends, this is the story that Jesus is trying to get us to see. And as we think about coming home, I want to zero in on this idea is that Jesus tells this story very clearly. Not just that we understand, I mean, Jesus tells the story, not just that we'll understand who Jesus is in the story, but we'll understand who God is and we'll understand that God loves us very, very much. So much so that he was willing to send his son. And so here's my final thought as we close. Perhaps you've heard this story called the prodigal son. You ever heard that? The prodigal son? Well, that word is, it's, a, it's a, an ancient kind of word. It's kind of archaic. We don't really use it in the way that it's used today. But the word itself literally means this. Spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant, having or giving something on a lavish scale. Listen to me. Come on, look up here. This story isn't about the son that's spent lavishly. This story is about the father. See, this is the prodigal God. This is the prodigal God that was willing to spend lavishly on me. That was willing 
to do something that the world looks on and says, that's absurd. That's absolutely absurd. Do you see what I'm getting at? It's, 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 it's almost scandalous that God would send his son into this world to die for you and for me. And friends, my heart for us today is that we would be moved. If you're a believer today, that you would be moved by that again. That you would be moved by this reality that you serve a God that was willing to pay the price. That he was willing to spend extravagantly on you. And if you're not a believer, my heart and prayer for you today is that you would come face to face with a God that loves you very, very much and was willing to do that. Why? So that you could come home. So that you could have a father. And so that you could experience the power of God in your life, not just in the next life, but in this life today. So my heart for us today is that we'd come home at Christmas. Whatever you need to do. Maybe you need to trade in the older brother thinking. Maybe you need to get up and start heading towards the father like the younger brother. Whatever it is, we all need to come home at Christmas. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the word of God and how it shapes and challenges us. Lord, for anybody in this room, I just want to pray for anybody in this room that would simply say, you know, God, I have definitely walked away lately. Um, I don't feel on fire for you. I don't, I don't feel excited about our relationship. Um, I feel like I've been doing the right things, but I just don't, I don't know what's going on. Would you allow me to pray for you? If you would say that's you, I just want to pray for you. Father God, would you come right now? Holy Spirit, would you come? For the person in this room that you just need a touch from God. It's like everything in your life feels like stale bread religiously. Your spirit's dry and it's worn out. Would you just say to the Lord, Lord, I need you. I know that you haven't moved, but something's moved in me. And I just want to confess back to you, Lord. Lord, I'm sorry for whatever that is. Would you help me see what it is? Would you help me give that to you? Because I want to get back home. I want to feel the closeness of the Father again in my life. I don't want to just do the religious thing. I really do want a relationship with you. And so simply just say to the Father, Father, would you come? Would you heal anything broken in me? I confess to you that I have not loved you with my whole heart. And so, Lord, would you help me? I'm coming home today. Meet me here right now, Lord. Would you meet me here? I just want to say this to somebody in the room, heads bowed, eyes closed. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God the Father comes running towards you in your mess. And all he asks is that you'll get up and start walking towards him. That getting up and walking towards him is called faith. So what I want to ask you to do is say a prayer with me, really as a statement of faith, that you would simply say that Jesus is the Savior of the world and that you want him in your life. 
So I want to pray for anybody that wants to take a step of faith towards Jesus in this way. To enter into that relationship so that not only can you be saved, but you can be filled with His Holy Spirit. So that you might conquer the things that are overcoming you in this life. And so, church, let's all pray together. I don't want anybody praying alone, but if, if, if this is your heart, would you just say this prayer with me as well? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. Would you save me from my sins? I choose this day to follow you. I surrender my life. Will you be my Lord? Would you change me from the inside out? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, we're so proud of you. If you gave your life to Christ, or if you're coming home maybe and you've been away for a while, welcome home. I mean that. As your pastor, as the pastor of this church, even if you're online, we're so glad that you're home. We want to do our best to help you in that. And a little bit later on um, in our service, you'll find out a little bit more about that. But I want to invite you to stand. We wanted to create just a moment for us to simply be in the presence of God. Because I don't know about you, but isn't it true that sometimes in our life we're just moving too fast? We just need to pause. We need to slow down. And so as we sing this song together, you may not even know the words, and that's okay. Just say this. Just say this. If you don't know the words, just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Just say that. Because I just believe God wants to talk to some people today. And so as we sing this song together, may we invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us before we get on to all the things we got to do. But we pause and we allow God to do the work that He wants to do in us. Let's worship together.